Hey, everybody, it's Kai. This is Politics Inside Out. Me and Andrea Seabrook on the economics of the Trump transition, which gets interestinger and interestinger every <laughs> single day. Am I, I can hear you laughing. Am I right? You're right. Uh, and it, I love, it, it I love the parallel with the like. Um, it's Alice in Wonderland. Curiouser and curiouser. Curiouser. Exactly. Right? Uh, curiouser. Right. Go. And I feel like I'm Alice. But, uh, yeah. And I'm like the Alice. Mad Hatter. I don't even know what it is. All right. So <laughs> this is going to be the Kai Asks Andrea Questions edition of Politics Inside Out. You ready for that? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, All God. Right. You're not going to not know the answer to anything. I want to mm. start with, uh, I think it was yesterday morning, although to be absolutely honest with you, I lose track. The tweet storm from the president-elect about tariffs in this economy and the Chinese and that whole hoo-ha. I need you to explain to me in in layman's terms what the president can do by himself on tariffs and what he needs Congress to do. Yes, it was yesterday, and that is a brilliant question and one which I uh, spent the last, you know, 18 nerd-like hours trying to figure (laughs) out myself. Because as somebody who has covered, you know, Congress and the legislative branch for a long time, and I'm not alone. A lot of Americans know that, like, you need Congress to pass policies that have to do with taxes and spending, right? So tariffs are taxes. They may be international taxes, but they're taxes nonetheless. And so I was like, well, how can he promise these things? So I went into it. Let me tell you, the president, because of some oddball, screwball regulations that have happened over the last literally 100 years, wow. yeah. he can do almost anything he wants. Wow, really? Yes. So there's the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917. Yep. Okay. Right? It allows him to uh, impose unlimited tariffs on uh, a- a countries importing to the United States, quote, during a time of war. Right. right. Nixon used this in 1971 based on the Korean War. Tell me, Kai, wow. why is that crazy? Wow, wow, wow. Because the Korean War had ended it, almost it, well, two it, it decades ended. earlier. It was, I mean, never declared war, the whole deal, right? right. I mean, right. wow. Yep, Nixon used it. And um, there are experts, many smart, you know, moderate experts who say that, you know, having U.S. special forces in Syria, Libya could be enough to enact that. Okay, So so is this like a stroke of a pen thing from the Oval Office that he does or is it? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. In that case, yes. Okay. then we have sorry. Then we have number two, the International Emergency Economic Powers Act of 1972. So he could say, like. Holy cow, we've lost this many jobs. It's an right. he told, emergency and, economic. Yeah. And you can totally see yeah. that happening. You can totally yeah. see that coming. Totally. Yeah. Right. Then you have the Trade Act of 1974. This can impose across-the-board tariffs based on, quote, an adverse impact on national security from imports. Yeah. Whatever that means. There, It's much more limited, though. He could only raise the tariffs 15% for 150 days and Congress would come in. But look, he doesn't need that because then there's another one, the Trade Expansion Act of 1972. Uh, sorry, 1962. Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right. We get, <laughs> I mean, we, we get the point. Yeah, we get the point, get right? So he can right. do a bunch of stuff. And then if he convinces Congress to do a bunch of stuff, he can do even more stuff. Is, is that exactly. the upshot of this whole thing? It is the upshot of so, the whole thing. So Everything that he's tweeting about, he could pretty much do. Yes. And you know what? President Bush used one of these to pass steel tariffs back in uh, 2002, I believe. And here's the thing. It eventually was shot down by the WTO, the World Trade Organization. And of course, the WTO exists for exactly that, to enforce right. these you know, international rules. But it took five years. Right, right, right. And five years to an entire industry, like the steel producing right. industry, forever. 
is forever. It gave them five more years. So it's certainly true that, you know, Trump will be challenged on these things. But like what? Right. What does that mean? Five years right? later, yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So um, uh, another question. Uh, related but completely different. And, and I had somebody ask me this on Twitter this weekend, so I'm going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Do you think Donald Trump tweets because he likes to tweet, or does does he tweet because he wants to distract the press and global attention from some other thing that is not so favorable to him? Those are two false options. I would say <laughs> the I, third, it's not one or the other. I agree. That it, was it, That was my answer. Both can be true. Yes, exactly. Yep. Both can be true, and a, th- and a third, and many things, frankly, can be true. I think right. like, we all know that this guy is not a normal politician, yeah. and that he, he is taking advantage of what many, many companies, politicians, activist movements, so on, have taken advantage of for a while now, and frankly, politicians are not so good at, which is going straight to the people. Yep. Can you blame him? No, no. He's been, he's been remarkably successful, and it works every time, and it has worked for 18 months, and it got him to the White House. So why would he stop? Right. No, I, I completely agree with that. He's not going to stop. All right, question number three. Uh, so you got Brexit, you have our election, and now you have the Italians this weekend, which is leading to talk after some new elections over there that are going to happen now that Prime Minister Renzi has stepped down, of the European Union falling apart as an enterprise. Uh, I'm going to talk to Stephen Beard, uh, and maybe actually we'll get him on this podcast at some point. Uh, I'm going to talk to him on Marketplace this afternoon. But the entire idea of populism now becoming, I think you have to say it's a global phenomenon. I think you have to be careful with the word populism, first of all. All Populism can mean so many different things. It can mean libertarianism. It can be Marxism. You know, that's the weird thing about the word populism. So let me Mm -hmm. rephrase that to be blowing stuff up. And, and we mean that we mean that as a metaphor, blowing well, up yeah. the structures of power, right. obviously, right. because there are people actually, as you know, blowing stuff L- up. Literally blowing real. stuff up. And, let, right. and let's not let's but, not get carried away with with, you know, right, right, things right. I don't necessarily mean. But here we have had the Brexit where people didn't want to be a part of this thing anymore. Here we've had our election where people said they want to change. And now the Italians saying, no, 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 government, we don't trust you uh, to run this economy. It gets it's so clear that it gets back to the insiders, outsiders mm-hmm. thing. There's also the idea that as the world moves forward, the people who have the most to lose and are losing the most are probably going to be the most upset. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we can't, you know, we can't ignore that. And I think that's happening all over the world. It's it's always a bad thing when people lose standing in the international economy, in, you know, power relations. You know, people need to affect their environments, but we can't act as if they don't matter when we're making gains elsewhere. We, meaning the global community of the mm-hmm. world. Last thing, and, and then I'll let you go. And this actually spins off a little bit of that last answer. Uh, uh, what do you make, and maybe I asked you this already, and if I did, we'll either cut it or you can tell me to shut up. No, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You remember during the financial crisis, there was so much talk of the, the damage that had been done to America's economic reputation. What do you think our international reputation is right now? You know, it's so funny. This is the other thing that I've been obsessing over the last, you know, over the last weekend and all of this. Is that, like, what do we do, really? Let's look at some numbers. So, yes, uh, the United States is a big manufacturing exporter, believe it or not, still. Yep, still is. Uh, 1.4 trillion a year. That was 2014. Six million jobs. Hmm. That is uh, numbers from the Department of Commerce. But here's what's rising. 
exporting right. of services. The United States is the world's largest exporter of services. We're talking about banking sector, information technology, insurance, telecom, energy, you know, energy backup services. There aren't other countries in the world that have a sector that big. No, ab absolutely. But but you're missing my point, right? There's no doubt that we are a the key economy on the planet, at least for now. The question is our economic reputation and our standing in the world. What has happened in the past month and what will be happening in the next four years, right? I think that's actually a really interesting question because so much of our economic oof is not dollars and cents, right? It's reputational and historical and aspirational. We went through this in the wake of and during the run-up to the Iraq war, right? Oh, yeah. So the United States had this... You know, other countries, you know, especially Western Europe, they weren't in love with George W. Bush. But then, but then 9-11 happened and there was this great coming together, right? We all know this. Um, the, you know, the, the world supported and asked to help with our uh, going into Afghanistan mm -hmm. and fixing that. It was Iraq that changed our reputation, as, as you're talking about, around the world and changed things. What, what's fascinating to me is that Donald Trump he's almost like an economic Iraq war. Wow. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's, let's, let's make sure everybody hears that and hears it in context, right? And that it's right. just an example and not actual, you know, terribleness. But Yeah, but, no, but yeah. I just mean in, in that yeah. specific instance, in that he is coming in and... Yeah. Yeah. With 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 no regard yep. to in many ways international reputation or at least the mores of diplomacy up to now he yep. is he is going in and with purpose he's not just blundering around I think we've proved that now especially with the tie, the call to with Taiwan, the Taiwan like, call right yeah exactly he's going in and saying no 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 we are going to drastically dramatically change our economic footing. In uh, on a global scale, and and you know what, I don't actually have a problem with that because because on the face of it, you have to say to yourself, "Come on, why can't I just pick up the phone and call the president of the Republic totally. of China on Taiwan?" Right? Except for the fact that for 45 years, the international diplomatic norm has been we all just look at this and go la 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 and <laughs> pretend that there's only one China, right? right. And now. In a leak of a phone call, right, because he hasn't taken questions from the press, and in a phone call that he made without State Department advisors handy, in a yep. phone call that he made without any, under, without any apparent understanding of what it means, although maybe he has a very good understanding, we don't know, um, he is upending our relationship with the second most important economy in the world and, yep. and the economy on which our economy depends full stop. Right. I, and I and totally— I think that's fascinating. I think it's fascinating, too. I mean, it's along the lines that, so here's what I've been thinking in my head. Only Nixon could have come to <laughs> right, China. Right, right, right. Only Reagan could have stood there and said, tear down that wall. Yep. And only Donald Trump could have taken a call from Taiwan and said, like, hey, you guys are great. There you go. Nixon, Reagan, you know? Trump. How about that? All right, we got to go. Uh, Andrea Seabrook <laughs> at Radio Babe, me at Kai Rizdahl. Uh, more geopolitical and economic thoughts uh, tomorrow on uh, this little thing we do. See ya. Thanks, son. Bye. This is APM.